Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The second hearing on the weaponization of the federal government wrapped up this week. What are some of the key takeaways? Joining us to discuss, we're happy to have Jeremy Tedesco, senior counsel from Alliance Defending Freedom. Jeremy Tedesco, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, the FBI has said that much of the way they've handled many of these things, the Hunter Biden laptop is standard operating procedure. Is this the case and should the American people be concerned of a double standard at best in collusion between the FBI and the Democratic Party at worst? Yeah, the American people should be concerned. The bottom line is the government can't bypass our First Amendment rights by asking private companies to censor us. That's just the same as the government trying to censor us directly. And it's really problematic that the federal government appears to be you know, weaponizing Twitter's own content standards to try to skew debate on issues of national importance. I want to get your thoughts into the uh, hearings yesterday. Uh, any key takeaways for you? There's been a lot of discussion about them. Yeah, I just think, you know, what we're seeing here is some very important transparency from Twitter around the way in which these content standards at social media companies can be weaponized, not just by the government, by, by, but by other activists who want to censor and silence people they disagree with. I mean, our country is built on the idea of open debate and dialogue and trusting that that process will create um, consensus around the right choices and policy solutions to us, for us as the American people to pursue. Um, and when the government tries to manipulate that conversation behind closed doors in secrecy by weaponizing these content standards, that's a problem. And it doesn't matter if it's coming from the left or the right, Republicans or Democrats. Um, we don't want the government trying to skew debate and put their thumb on the scales of a national conversation in this way. So the discussion of this weaponization uh, appears to have many heads. One is the uh, connection between the FBI and some of our intelligence agencies and big tech. How concerning has this relationship or alliance uh, been and what should the American people know? Well, I think you know, we need to be concerned as the American people when any agency of the federal government or of state governments uh, are, are trying to you know, look at Americans' speech on social media platforms and advise those corporations who should be silenced, whose views should be suppressed. Um, to the extent that that is happening, and I think the Twitter files show us that there's pretty clear evidence that it was, um, you know, we should be concerned. We should demand that the companies disclose, just like Twitter has the kind of um, you know, pressure they're receiving from government officials uh, to censor in this way. Um, and we should ask these public companies to change their policies to make sure that free speech is actually protected on their platforms. Your viewers should go to our website, viewpointdiversityscore.org. There they'll find our business index that scores companies on their respect for free speech. Twitter has a page there. Their standards are way below the line. And Elon Musk and Twitter has a lot to do. Um, to, to, change, to change things. Like I said, the transparency is great, but they need to make real policy changes to try to block these kinds of things from happening in the, in the future and actually creating a platform where free speech can flourish. You know, a lot of these things and structures and relationships between the intel agencies and corporations uh, provide, I guess, plausible deni deniability, if you will. Uh, what steps, if any, can be taken to ensure that these companies do not abuse their power and, and collude with, uh, you know, our agencies? 
Yeah, I think a huge part of this is just the sunlight. You know, we need to see what's happening. Um, and that's why the transparency, you know, uh, Twitter providing the Twitter files to these journalists is, is really critical. But I think that in the end, the social media companies need to protect themselves against this in the future by committing to transparency policies where when they receive requests from federal governments and even from nonprofit um, you know, activist organizations, because there's a lot of them out there that are making the same demands the government is to censor, that they will disclose when they receive those requests and how they handle them. That's one of the things we ask for on our business index is that these companies be transparent about the demands they're receiving from government officials to censor content or use their content standards to, sus to suppress speech on their platforms. I think that's a pretty simple request. Um, and I think in the end, the companies will build trust back with the American people if they commit to doing that. Jeremy Tedesco, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And more on the weaponization of government hearings. How did the government respond to the allegations and how will the American people react? To assess, we're happy to have Rob Henneke, executive director at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Rob Henneke, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, Rob, uh, the hearing into the weaponization of the federal government is underway uh, two so far. What are some of the biggest violations of civil liberties and individual rights which have been impacted by the weaponization uh, that, that you feel as though are, are out there? What's shocking to me is the evidence that's been uncovered that was discussed in Congress this week, uh, that's been rolled out through the Twitter files, that's been uh, exposed in the litigation by the Missouri Attorney General of the coordinated effort, cooperation, and partnership that existed between many of the federal agencies and these social media companies that was purposeful in suppressing speech and deleting information that the government found to be objectionable and politically critical. Uh, it's a shocking abuse of the First Amendment, and I, I credit Chairman Jordan for making sure that this is brought up and presented and investigated by Congress. It's a very interesting point you make, Rob. Uh, it's truly a you know nonpartisan issue uh, when you think about it. There's a lot of uh, Democrats and, and liberal influencers and folks out there that are very shocked about this. Even people within the federal government, uh, has the government remotely even acknowledged the fact that in certain regards they have overstepped or gone too far? And how does it actually even get to this point? Well, the government has never admitted fault. But the way that it has acknowledged the truth of this that I've seen have been specifically in the discovery that's been produced in the lawsuit that the Missouri Attorney General's office brought against the federal government over the suppression of uh, various statements regarding the COVID pandemic. And in the discovery, you have the email exchanges from federal agencies, too many federal agencies to count at one point, corresponding with Twitter, with Facebook, with these other social media companies in pointing out statements that they were demanding that the social media companies pull down. So we don't have to have the federal government admit what they did was wrong. We have paper documentation of their activities that suppressed the free speech of American citizens because what they were saying were contrary to the approved narrative of the federal government. 
Now, Rob, you mentioned the uh, Twitter files. What role has the media played in both uncovering and reporting on these instances, but also uh, potentially um, not reporting and thereby becoming an accessory to the crime, if you will? The silence has been deafening. I mean, what's been extraordinary is that after Elon Musk purchased Twitter and came in and he released to several journalists the internal files that showed the actual collusion and process with which Twitter operated to deplatform former President Trump and suppress speech related to the COVID pandemic. And the silence from the rest of the media has been deafening. I mean, here you have the, the, the journalists and the media that are supposed to be the biggest champions of free speech and of the free press. And here you have undisputed evidence about how uh, Twitter uh, suppressed the story about Hunter Biden's laptop when it was coming up during the context of the presidential campaign and all of these other events. And you have that being completely ignored by mainstream media or when they're bringing it up, they're bringing it up to attack the messenger rather than to express their shock and outrage at how the very amendment that guarantees the existence of their industry was undermined and attacked by the government. Rob, lastly, what is the impact of the weaponization of, the, of these federal agencies um, on public trust in, in, in government institutions? And what would you say to those who simply can't wrap their head around the possibility that these agencies have essentially been subverted? Well, you need to accept it as true that in many cases, what has been shown has been our federal government is against us as American citizens. That when we express views that the bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. Uh, find as critical or that they don't agree with, uh, they've been coming after us. And they've been coming after us in a secret partnership intended to deny us the ability to express ourselves as free Americans. This happened. We need to accept that it happened. We need to demand that there be accountability, uh, that Congress do our jo- its job to rein in these rogue agencies and to purge from these the federal employees that were responsible for the infringement of civil liberties. We need to demand that as a free society because what was done by the federal government in partnership with these tech companies was wrong and outrageous. Rob Henneke, Texas Public Policy Foundation, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As the investigation into the origins of COVID continues, a group of Republican lawmakers are pushing back on a newly introduced World Health Organization treaty. I just sat down with Congressman Tom Tiffany to discuss his new legislation pushing back on the accord. Congressman Tom Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be with you today, Steve. Congressman, uh, you've introduced legislation in response to um, a a treaty involving the WHO and uh, Senate approval. Tell us about this. Yeah, so myself and Senator Johnson from Wisconsin, uh, we've introduced this legislation. It puts accountability um, into the World Health Organization via the United States government. Because the Biden administration at this point, they're asking for um, the WHO just to have unilateral authority. His envoy to the World Health Organization, uh, he being President Biden, um, that person is just saying, we need to have a pandemic response for generations to come. Well, 
that should be treated as a treaty if it's multiple countries that are involved with this. And I think anything that has to do with the World Health Organization should be subject to our treaty regulations, which would say that you have to get a two-thirds vote, United States Senate. And so as of now, the way it's structured, it would circumvent that? I think what the Biden administration is hoping to do is just to do this via presidential fiat. And what the bill is saying is this will be treated as a treaty, which requires a two-thirds vote of the United States Senate. I mean, think about it. 2019, Taiwan warned the WHO that there may be a problem in China in regards to COVID, and the World Health Organization did not listen. And in fact, they stonewalled. And when there was concern that there was human-to-human -human transmission, they were in denial. They were basically parroting the line of the Communist Chinese Party. And the World Health Organization, I think, has shown that they're going to have to rebuild trust. And one of the ways they can do that is to submit any agreement via numerous countries to a vote by our United States Senate. That was going to be my next question for you, Congressman, is, you know, in hindsight, what are some of the other things that you have seen that concern you with regard to how the World Health Organization handled the pandemic? I think the biggest concern is they took the word of the communist Chinese government. There was not a, um, um, a questioning um, uh, what people should be doing when uh, reviewing something scientifically. Let's be skeptical. Let's make sure. Let's hear multiple viewpoints. They were not doing that. They took the word of the Communist Chinese Party that there is no problem in Wuhan, China. We are finding out very clearly now that that was a huge problem. It was a mistake. And the World Health Organization, along with Dr. Fauci and others, they made very fundamental mistakes that perhaps cost thousands of people their lives. To your point, we're starting to see um, a lot of Democrats actually joining Republicans on Capitol Hill uh, calling to hold China to account. Uh, we just saw a, uh, a bill today that was passed unanimously on the Hill, uh, 419 to 0, uh, calling to release intelligence related to the origins. What are you sensing? I think there's a couple Democrats that have been skeptical and have been willing to investigate China, but not very many. In particular, under uh, Speaker Pelosi's leadership, I don't know why, but she continually tried to stifle information that would come out on China. I don't know if it was related to her or if she was trying to protect President Biden. I'm not sure why she was doing it. Hopefully that dam has broken now and Democrats are going to join us Republicans who have been saying, we got to get full information out there. And that's been true of all the things that we're dealing with, whether it's the FBI and their surveillance um, or what has happened with COVID. Let's just get all the information on the table. That's the only way that we're going to be able to make good decisions and keep the American people informed so they can come to good conclusions having full information. Congressman, sometimes it's hard for uh, bills to pick up steam uh, on the Hill, um, even from within your own party. What type of support are you seeing for your legislation here? We're really excited with what's happening. I mean, we started out with just myself on a bill a couple years ago, and um, it is really beginning to advance now in regards to holding Communist China um, accountable and uh, in particular in regards to the one china policy more and more people as they as they're seeing the threat of communist china and how they're treating the rest of the world 
more and more members on Capitol Hill are saying, this is not acceptable, and maybe we need to revisit that one China policy. So we've been building some momentum, and hopefully we'll get there. I'm encouraged by the things that Speaker McCarthy is saying in regards to um, meeting with the Prime Minister. Um, I think those are all really good things. Congressman Tom Tiffany, thank you so much. Good to join you, Steve. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.